Ladies and gentlemen, good day and welcome to the FNA talk, a technology update with FNAers and friends. My name is Adam Chabai. I'm the subtech lead at FNA, and it will be my pleasure to guide you through this episode. At FNA Talks, we are drawing on the expertise and experience of key fintech, regtech, and subtech authorities to discuss the trends and developments defining the technology and the innovation landscapes. In today's episode, we will focus on an area that none of the organizations involved in the world of finance can avoid. And this is, of course, the impact of the COVID disruptions and technological innovation. I'm very pleased to say that we are joined by a seasoned practitioner who is extremely well equipped to guide us through this complex endeavor. Kevin Gardiner, Managing Director and Global Investment Strategist at Rothschild & Co. Kevin, welcome, and thank you for joining us at the FNA Talk. Not at all. Thank you, Adam, for the invitation. Many thanks, Kevin. It is our pleasure. Kevin, let us start our discussion with the big picture. To what extent has your business been affected by the disruptions of the COVID-19 crisis? And what key lessons would you highlight for our listeners? Well, um, the big question, Adam, of course. And look, I have to say right at the beginning that I think we're very much aware that we've been very fortunate and lucky in our experiences here. We're very much aware of the profound impact that the uh, pandemic has had on many people across the world. And from our perspective and from our narrow business perspective, I have to say that we've been as I say, remarkably lucky and, and, and uh, fortunate, the impact on our business has been much smaller than we feared it would have been back at the time uh, when the economies were first uh, closed, closed down. And one of the reasons it's been smaller than, uh, than it could have been is that um, our colleagues and managers have been very fast indeed to roll out as much technological support for us as was feasible. So we were able to move to working from home and meeting from home uh, very quickly and relatively efficiently. Uh, so the whole getting to grips with uh, remote uh, and virtual modes of working, for us that went remarkably, remarkably well. And of course, the, the nature of our business is that uh, we can, in principle, if the technology permits us, we can do it from all over the globe, as it were. You don't have to be in the office. It helps, but you don't have to be physically present in the office to do this. And our clients, of course, because times were so testing, uh, they still wanted advice. The corporate clients wanted advice on raising funds. And from a portfolio point of view, people wanted to know how we were trying to make sense of what was happening to global capital markets and economies. And we were luckily able to suggest very early on, as far as the capital markets were concerned, that because this was first and foremost a public health emergency rather than an economic-led crisis, if we were able to get uh, the virus under control, economies would be able to reopen and economies would be able to rebound relatively quickly. And as we're speaking now today, I think the global economy is pretty much back at the levels it was at before the crisis began. And of course, capital markets, particularly stock markets, have moved well beyond their pre-crisis levels. So we've been able to respond quite quickly. And so far, at least, we've 
we've been able to uh, anticipate the right direction of movement of capital markets and economies. But again, as I say, we're very much aware that we're fortunate and that many people across the globe have been hit very hard by this horrible episode. Many thanks, Kevin, uh, for these very interesting insights. Uh, before we move on, I would like to briefly elaborate on a couple of points that you have just mentioned. Uh, based on your experience, Kevin, has fintech or innovative technology in general provided any useful tools for tackling the COVID disruptions that you have just highlighted? Well, definitely. I mean, I think there's a danger recently because um, as we're speaking, the, the focus in the technology space and finance is very much on a particular angle of fintech. And everybody at the moment is talking about cryptocurrencies and, and so forth. But fintech, you know, as the name suggests, it's a really broad area. It, en it encompasses anything uh, that brings technology to bear on financial problems and communications, uh, secure communications in particular, the ability to speak and to write and to transmit data without fear of it being hacked or broken into. That's all very much part of the fintech umbrella, and we couldn't have functioned as we have done without that. Uh, thank you, Kevin, and uh, I completely agree that this is definitely the case for many other organizations as well. Uh, turning now to some of the broader strategic priorities of the financial services providers, as well as of the, of the financial authorities, uh, which key areas would you argue should the, the fintech innovation focus on going forward? Oh, again, such a huge field to uh, to encompass. But the things that I think we're going to see revolutionized in years to come um, will be things to do with scalability and efficiencies from taking advantage of scalability, because that's what the digital world, I think, can do best, provided it's secure, as we were saying. So things like uh, custodial facilities, um, the registration of transactions, the settlement of transactions, uh, the, the doing of a lot of due diligence uh, in, in a hurry, anything that needs a lot of data crunched very, very quickly. Uh, those are things, those are areas that I'm sure are going to be uh, to be transformed. As we were, we've just saying um, the, the precise mode of payment obviously is something which is going to be changing tremendously. Personally, I think uh, I'm less focused on things like cryptocurrencies and alternatives to current currencies than many would be. Um, and I, I'm not especially excited by those, partly because I do think that eventually the central banks are going to introduce their own digital currencies. And although we may be skeptical of government created money to some extent, personally, I'd far sooner trust the digital currency backed by Uncle Sam, as we say, than I would trust a digital currency backed by somebody I don't know of and have no recompense uh, against. So for me, that's not such a pressing a pressing area, I guess. Another area that I don't think is such a pressing area for fintech to explore going forwards is the analysis of securities markets in terms of price movements and in terms of trying to second guess future movements in those, those markets. You may think that's a strange thing to be saying, but I, I think that uh, the room to exploit further inefficiencies in capital markets is, is actually relatively limited here. And we've already seen a phenomenal explosion in things like uh, 
the, the, the speed of transacting and the speed of, uh, of, of trading generally, I'm not sure there is very much more upside to come from that. And in terms of guessing the big, quick, the big questions, what's the right value of an equity? What's the right level of interest rates? Are economies going to grow or not? These are things that no amount of number crunching can actually help us with. Those are profound questions that will always require qualitative analysis. Uh, many thanks, Kevin, again, for this uh, very interesting set of insights. Uh, you have already, already touched upon it, and I'm sure that many of our listeners will also agree uh, that one of the innovation areas that have been receiving an increasing attention is digital money, uh, by which I mean the central bank digital currencies, as well as the privately issued crypto assets and stable coins. Uh, Kevin, in what ways do you think the financial industry be affected by developments related to the CBDCs and the rise of digital money in general? That's, that's a, a great question, and I wish I knew exactly the answer, because, of course, the impact longer term is going to be profound. And I, I'm reasonably confident that we're going to see sweeping changes in the way in which we transact, the way in which we store value, the way in which we move value from one person to another. The only thing I'm uncertain about is exactly what form that's going to take. My suspicion, and I think it's, it's going to be quite ironic because obviously things like Bitcoin and the blockchain technology underpinning or as part of that, that distributed ledger technology, that's really trailblazed in a big way and it's excited lots of people. But I think in a way, it's very success in exciting people is going to herald its eventual demise, because I think the central banks are watching this very carefully, as we were just saying, they are going to introduce their own forms of digital currency. And I think once they start offering existing money in digital wallet form, I think the attractions there are going to be so great that people won't want to use these private decentralized forms of money to the extent that people currently have been thinking they might do. And I've got, you know, looking beyond that, so if, if central banks' digital currencies do become established, all sorts of interesting things happen to the banking system because a lot of the things that banks do that we've taken for granted, the fact that they store assets for us, they transmit assets. At the moment, the only electronic money that can be used is the electronic money that sits on their ledgers. Well, if electronic money doesn't have to sit on their ledgers, their ledgers will get smaller. And that means that uh, their balance sheets will shrink. That may mean that they're not able to offer as much credit as they used to. That's something that we have to think about. It may simply mean also that their business models have to change. Utility banking based around big balance sheets may not be a very profitable thing to have going forwards. So I wish I knew exactly what's going to happen, but I think I can see that things are going to change profoundly and it's going to be quite an exciting time. Uh, thank you, Kevin, and I uh, completely agree with your points. Uh, let us conclude our discussion uh, with a bit of a provocative question, again, related to uh, the landscape of digital money. Uh, as a former central banker, Kevin, uh, do you believe that the Libras or the digital money issued by the big techs like Google have the potential to challenge the central bank's monopoly over monetary policy? No, again, I, I, I'm afraid I have to say I don't. I think, you know, there are some areas where governments have monopoly powers and they have them for understandable reasons. And I think the importance of protecting 
some sort of money supplies credibility is the sort of public good that sits naturally under the, the heading of government activity. It's a natural market intervention for governments to be uh, to me be making. And you know, I'm a fan of some of these big tech companies, the way that they've innovated already, the way that they've transformed, the way that we buy and sell things. That's fantastic. And they've done a tremendous job and they've become very profitable in doing that. But ultimately, even though I, I completely understand the idea that sometimes governments and central banks don't always act in the way that they should. And personally, I'm a little bit nervous at central banks being quite as generous with policy as they are at the moment, because my own feeling is that the global economy doesn't need quite such friendly monetary policy as it reopens. I, I think they are taking a little bit of a risk with some modest inflation uh, pressure at the moment. So we, we do have misgivings about governments and central banks, but an imperfect central bank and an imperfect government-backed money for me is always going to be more credible than something offered by a group of private sector entities. Uh, Kevin, and would you argue that uh, central banks should uh, proactively collaborate with each other on the supranational level, sort of central banks from various jurisdictions working together on the analysis of, uh, the, say, various implications of central bank digital currencies, as well as uh, uh, with regards to the management of the regulatory and supervisory implications of the privately issued digital money? Of, of, of course, I think that's a very good point. It's tremendously important that they think about how these these assets are able to move. Are they able to be moved across? Uh, you know, what happens to uh, national borders in the in the digital world? How how easy is it to move these things from one place to another? What are the regulatory uh, and uh, you know safeguards that need to be put in place. So absolutely, they need to do that. But I'm also sure that they will. They will be thinking very carefully about the, the, these things, which are, which I think is one of the reasons why they've, you know, they, they're, they're taking this very gradually. They're not rushing into things. And here in the UK, for example, we've only just had a working party established between the Bank of England and the Treasury to really explore this in greater detail. China's raced ahead a, a little bit. But uh, I think most central banks are taking their time, partly for the reasons that you've, you've suggested. They want to see how they should best fit all of their efforts together in an integrated global system. Uh, many thanks, Kevin. And again, I uh, completely agree with you. Uh, Kevin, even though we could carry on and continue this conversation, uh, this is unfortunately all we have time for today. So thank you very much for your time. Uh, you have provided us with some great insights into an extremely important topic. Not at all, Adam. Thanks again very much for the invitation. I've enjoyed it. Thank you, Kevin. And as I said, it was our pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, many thanks to you for your attention. Uh, if you happen to have any questions or comments for Kevin or I, please let us know on social media or write to us on adam at fna.fi. I very much look forward to reconnecting soon for another FNA talk. And in the meantime, have a good day, stay safe, and goodbye.